0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: The amount of cons just lying on the ground, rubbing their thighs, looking for a fucking massage. You get that for free at the training ground. Just wait yeah. for that. You don't have to do it during the game. People have paid in to watch this. No one's paying in to watch you get a massage.
0: This is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. The- So I left while you were sleeping, That's all it took. I told you last week I had a, a Oasis playlist on Spotify. <laughs> and it's not really, it's one of those ones, you know, it's a cheap Spotify, I haven't paid for it, so I've got no control over what comes up in that playlist. But if you start with Oasis, you think, you know, this, this might stay in the right tracks. It beers off every so often, and today I got James sit down, on the way down. And do you know what, to be honest perfect lyric we all know the lyric i don't need to tee this up with james everybody knows the saying as it is but if i hadn't seen such riches i could live with being poor and there we are three games in a row we had won all three of them clean sheets in all three and i thought oh my god we are going for four clean sheets in a row regardless of what happens i thought like this is the starting point now we're so solid the teams can't get through us and there was a stage where I was actually hoping for a draw. I, w- I was actually thinking I would prefer a draw than a win because that would suggest that Aston Villa know what they're doing now. Like it, w- it, w- it, would, it would be the sort of opposite of what a Southampton run is, you know, when you just go on this blaze of glory and then shit the bed and they be completely go on the opposite straight like four or five weeks after. I wanted Villa to get three wins in a row and back it up with an away nil-nil to West Ham <laughs> going for the Champions League. Not to be. Not to be. Uh, things quickly turned on their heads. I would say, Liam, that was. I would say it was a very mature performance for 60 minutes. I thought that was the word to sum it up. I thought we were good. I thought it like, looked like we've got a good team. And then I suppose uh, the, the the weak parts of the team rear its head. Yeah.
1: I was watching the first 25 minutes really unsure if I was enjoying myself or not. I mean, I, I couldn't. I couldn't figure out if the game was good or if I even liked football. I mean, it was <laughs> it was end to end, but it was five minutes down one end and then five minutes down the other. Then West Ham got on top and started dominating for 10 or 15 minutes and we dug in, got 11 behind the ball. But building trenches is really dangerous tactic if you're being commanded by a major disappointment and when you have fucking private doggy running through the trenches with his <laughs> laces undone, juggling unpinned grenades. But amazingly, though, we got away with it and West Ham stepped back and then we had a 10-minute period of the most pointless period of possession I've ever seen. We went, we went over the top of the trenches with fucking super soakers. Like, don't get me wrong, West Ham are really hard to break down. But continue dropping out to practice one-touch passing with Mings and Chambers isn't the fucking answer. And then second half, both teams were so cagey. It was like Moyes and Gerrard have been screaming, don't lose it yeah. for the entire 15 minutes of half time. When there were options to try something, it was just roll to the fullback or play down the channel for a forward to run onto, and then hopefully recycle it back out so we can get to the fullback again. <laughs> Coutinho kept going too deep and turning around to see a wall of ignorant cunts. But we we really needed him to have a bit of discipline and patience and standing behind Rice and Sucek to take in tight spaces. But I just fizzled out.
0: Where is, you're talking about a wall of ignorant cunts. West Ham physically have probably the most imposing wall for free kicks as well. Just when you when you see it in front of you and you know, I think Villa hit a couple of awesome. as of course they did. It. Like it's big Rice, it's big Suchek, it's big Zuma, it's big Dawson. Like they're just big cunts They're a big team and Gerard actually mentioned afterwards as well that I think he's learned a lot from today. Or I think I've learned a lot obviously but um that the team aren't physically there and they need a different profile of player thought that was very interesting that he came out and said that after
1: yeah it is interesting but it's also obvious I mean every Villa fan has been calling out for the same type of player for the last last couple of months and I'm annoyed that Steven Gerrard had to come up against the most physically compact pragmatic and ignorant team in the league to figure that out that it's glaringly obvious and it happens every time we play West Ham as well every time we play West Ham I'm talking about the platform that Rice and Suchek give them and how we just can't compete Yeah.
0: Well, this time, unlike every other week, we can talk about Douglas Louise. <laughs> let's let's mix this podcast up a little bit. Uh, unfortunately for the listener, yeah, he's going to come up again later in the show, too. But you mentioned him. Um let's let's start with the incident that I think a lot of people are wondering should that have been a red card? I uh, <laughs> I don't think the referee was thinking along these lines, but if he was, then I commend him. Was, I was thinking, that's what you fucking get. That's, that's that's what happens when the keeper plays you the ball and you're trying some elaborate, playful little scoop over a player's head at the edge of the box under so much pressure. Um, he he's he's trying to sort of dink it out to Matt Cash whilst sort of following the ball up like he's doing a big trick. You know, he's he's going to lift his foot along with the ball up to head height before letting it go. Um, he he does react well then when he realizes he's made he's made a hems of it. Lanzini's come in to Douglas Louise, puts his head in. In fairness, to him, but he's got no choice. He's the one who's fucked it up. If he doesn't put his head in there, it's probably a goal for someone that he's done that he didn't need to do again. Lanzini boots him in the face. Where do we stand on, on the on the high foot? Like I don't because sometimes I. I Do you remember Nani got sent off all those years ago in that Champions League game against Real Madrid and Keane infuriated everybody in the studio when he was saying that Nani deserved to be sent off because his foot was... like, What was he expecting? There there are players on the pitch. What was Nani expecting? He needs to have a look around to see what's happening. He can't just fling his foot everywhere. But there is also an element of the ball's there. The ball's there. Let's go for it. Maybe when it's head height, you draw a line for it. I don't know. I, I just thought... Douglas Luiz was sort of out of his eye line. He thought he could bring this ball down, and it makes it happen. And Douglas Luiz's face comes in in the way. Yeah, I've never wanted to be Manuel Lanzini more in my life. <laughs>
1: <laughs> in all seriousness, though, like it's probably an orange card. I don't think it's ever going to be given as a red card. But the rules are fairly clear. I mean, if you endanger the safety of an opponent, then you're supposed to be sent off. And I don't. I think it's very easy to interpret lifting your foot six foot off the ground is not being reasonably in control of your own body I mean you are putting somebody at risk by doing that there's no need to go for it with your foot Lanzini doesn't need to do that and he must know that the guy who just played it over his head might try to win it around the other side look if it was given as a red card I think it would have been a bigger talking point
0: yeah that's probably a good way of putting it and but there is a, a thing as well where I wonder, is it fair on the player who's trying to control it with his foot that somebody else is now charging him with his head? Like, Where's the where's the cutoff point? Should he see that he's got his foot up there? Do you not fling your face in there now? Because you could get a, a stud in the lip, as it turned out. look looked like a nasty cut, in fairness, Douglas Ruiz, but probably along the same lines. It could have been a red, but also thought it was such a stupid bit of play that it didn't deserve West Ham to go down to 10 men because Douglas Ruiz is dicking around the days of the box yet again.
1: Yeah, but that's that's exactly what you would expect Douglas Toye to do in that situation. I mean, there's four or five rapid forwards milling around him, so he'll just try to do a little rainbow flick over one of their heads. He's a <laughs> fucking idiot. Uh,
0: We're we'll talking about the goal, the first goal, one nil. Malenko. Really, from a West Ham point of view, if this was Villa, we would be saying really nice touch, lovely finish, lethal finish, turned around, got her out of his feet quickly, great outside of the boot on the bounce, like deadly, deadly stuff, but. What he's done most impressively there from a West Ham point of view is that he's just punished, shite defending, I think. And, like, so disappointing. I feel like Villa weren't that threatened. Like, yeah, West Ham were hard to break down. And, yeah, we were controlling possession and not really doing much with it. But I don't think West Ham were really making much inroads either. This is probably why I was thinking... Oh, this is this is good. This is a nice boring game. It's good to see that we're at this level and we can just play out. Well, remember those old top four games that were always just nil nil, Chelsea United and Arsenal and who was it? Liverpool maybe back then? Before Man City broke through, yeah. Um I thought, oh geez, maybe maybe Villa are one of these old top four teams now. But <laughs> um but why does Jarmalenko have that much space in the box when West Ham are already in a dangerous position? So Chambers has backed off. I think he's anticipating a shot, but but that's not his job. Like, it's not his job to anticipate a shot from somebody cutting in from the left wing. There's a keeper there behind you. Your job is to get out and block those shots. And not only that, he's backed off that far that there's not just space for a shot now that, like, that he's left them all that opportunity to go take a shot. But there's space for a 15-yard pass inside, space for a touch, space for a turn, space for a shot. By somebody else, and he's just completely got sucked back. Like, talk about people ball-watching and getting drawn to the ball. This was the time to get drawn to the ball. (laughs) Well, go back further. I think Cash goes of the
1: runner, and he probably goes too early, and it's definitely needlessly as well. And McGinn drops back because you can never have enough right-sided centre-backs marking fresh air, (laughs) apparently. And then Bailey Bailey has wandered in off the bench to continue watching the game, but, but just from a better angle. Like maybe he's myopic, maybe he's embarrassed about wearing glasses, but this isn't the fucking answer. Like try contacts, laser eye surgery, you're a fucking millionaire, Leon. Ask for a tablet even for when you're sitting on the bench. Don't wander onto the pitch watching the game. And if you are, wear a bib. Mary and John think you're playing for us now. You're fucking, what the fuck are you doing? You've come on at right side of midfield. Fucking play there. Ben has given the freedom of London They scuff across and it comes to Yar, Malenko. And the does do burn it. The touch and finish are incredible. He takes it so early. He doesn't need to take it fucking so early though no. because no one anywhere near him. But that's probably a beat of smartness. Martinez gets down. But rather than it being a case of he, sh- he should have saved it, I think he should be praised for getting anything on it because it is it is an incredible goal from Malenko.
0: Yeah, well, well done. With not just Callum Chambers, it's McGinn, it's Cash, it's Bailey, it's a bit of Martin, it's it's everybody. Like once again, it's just undone by a a, a series of bad decisions. The second goal and then obviously the killer and what ended up being the winning of the game. It starts with Villa in attack, which is always just so fucking annoying, and it's mostly heart. It, it's mostly stomach churning because it starts with Leon Bailey diving get g- Ball played to his feet, feels a bit of pressure underneath him, dives to the ground, and you know that he's dived to the ground because when he realizes he's not going to get a free, he bounces straight up and tries to chase after. By that stage, Declan Rice has already made a dick out of John McGinn. He's just (laughs) waltzed around him, and John McGinn has, I don't know what, he hasn't even slid. He hasn't tackled. He's just, he's fallen back on his earth, just completely, he's seeing stars at what Declan Rice has done, shifted the ball from his left foot to his right foot. (laughs) Like, John McGinn can chase players better than anybody else, he never needs to go to the ground when somebody's running straight at him like, go to the side, let him try and run past you, it's not going to happen just back yourself, like, like everybody will turn away when John McGinn is ratting at them from the side, but um, completely sells himself, Rice just goes striding through that big beautiful stride of his, and then um comes down the left, Mings is left two on one at the back on the other side, and yeah it's a goal, but it all starts because Leon Bailey Tries to dive instead of taking a touch to the ball and then tries to dive instead of actually just reacting properly. Yeah, like people, people not
1: not might or might not always get what they deserve in this world, but you typically what you deserve on a football pitch. And I just wish I was a neutral watching this match because I couldn't be happier for Leon Bailey if I was.
0: No, you're right. That was one of those ones where I thought the game was gone and I thought, I'm happy that goal went in because that has to stop.
1: Yeah. Diving weak, lazy bastard. He got exactly what he deserved. John McGinn then needs to take Rice out. I mean, he needs to take a yellow card. But instead, he just takes a seat in the middle of the fucking pitch (laughs) to watch Rice gallop up the field at earth's height. Like, what the fuck are you doing? But then fucking JJ as well. Like, A2 JJ. He gets back really well. He runs about 70 yards. Forces the man out a bit wider. And then stops running. I mean, if JJ just keeps going for another step, he's in the way of the cutback. I mean, it's heartbreaking. It's fucking laptop-breaking, to be honest.
0: (laughs) Well, JJ got us back in the game, and it turns out, well, we already sort of knew this anyway, but he is definitely the best finisher at the club, and he could be the best finisher in world football. (laughs) (laughs) Shot for shot, if we break it down, I'm sure he's definitely right up there, because he doesn't seem to miss when you give him an actual chance. Like, I'd say expected goals-wise, he is one of the most deadly finishers. Like, I have to believe that. And I can't believe that Emily Buendia starts his move off by cutting back. Like, he's actually... He's just had a big chance. And there he is. He's gotten the ball out of his feet. I think he. I, I thought he was just going to drive it to the left. Like, there was a bit of space there past Fabianski. Instead, he, he cuts back, but he gets it away from the two boys. In fairness, he does really well. And to be honest, maybe it's always a right decision when, when Jacob Ramsey is anywhere in the vicinity because... Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know. It, it, Ramsey's finishing ability around eighteen to twenty yards out is getting to the level where I'm starting to wonder: would I be more confident of Jacob Ramsey in that area than I would be of El Ghazi over a penalty?
1: <laughs> I'm going to say uh, than you would be of Callum Chambers in that area. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: true. But like, no, you but you know I don't make that little Ghazi comparison. No, you don't. You don't. <laughs>
1: I, I think I think the ball was coming back out over the line, having bounced off the back of the net. And I was still calling Wendy a cunt for not shooting. <laughs> <laughs> so it turns out he did quite well. And the pass is perfect as well. And you don't need to ask JJ twice to whip the ball into the top corner. Like he, he wasn't in the game enough, but he looked like the only one who was willing to try anything and who understood the game that was unfolding in front of him, that you had to break some lines. And the goal looked like he was just saying, right, can the rest of you fucking join in now?
0: Yeah. Every time JG finishes the ball, I, I actually wonder, why, why doesn't everybody else in the world just do that? Like, it makes it look so simple. I don't know, it must be, then with the power, it's always really accurate. It's always so far away from the keeper. Keepers generally just stand and watch these balls just be curled into the top corner. He is he's, he's an amazing finisher.
1: Yeah, he is. He used the defender really well there as well. The the defender gave him the angle into the top corner. He's just so calm and he's so
0: technically gifted in those situations. Alright, we'll go to WhatsApp Wingses. See you in a second. First WhatsApp Wings from the end of the game. That, Ashley Young cross, was one of the worst combinations of decision-making and execution that has ever happened in football.
1: Yeah, like the the worst thing about that was that Jared Gitt has given us fucking ten yards of space for a drop ball for for no reason as well. He doesn't have to give us that space.
0: Yeah,
1: and and Dash Young, what like why is he standing so close? Like, he doesn't have a better angle than the guy who's taking the free or the drop ball. No, he,
0: he he doesn't have a better angle than Coutinho, who's inside Coutinho, at the yeah. center, and Matt Cash. He's out to the right. He's got the worst angle of all of them, and he's got a player right in front of him. And just to spank it into his ankles, it's just, it's it's absolutely
1: pathetic that that's how we ended the game. And the the thing we did immediately before that as well was Callum Chambers just shouldering the ball back <laughs> into the halfway line, like actually worse than Dougie's shoulder earlier in the uh, game. So it was worse than the worst thing I've seen on a football pitch.
0: T- t- both nominations for the Peter Ancombe and What the Fuck Award, like you know, so there you go. Like they they, they are. Some of the worst things that we've seen on a football pitch, and we'll talk about those shoulders slash chests and those decisions again. Like, it's the decisions as well because even if Ashley Young doesn't just kick that straight off a player who's right in front of him, well, I would actually have loved that player to just move on of Like, let, let, let this ball go in and see what happens. Like, this, even if it has any purchase on it, which he it doesn't, it's not, nothing's happening. He's, he's, he's hitting a straight cross on top of the goals it's not it's not going to happen there's so many West Ham players there we've talked about how big they are we need a bit of quality here we need boys to keep their heads and I thought that's what Ashley Young has been doing good all season is keeping his head yeah we had
1: exactly the two players you would imagine that you would want over the ball in that period <laughs> continue and Ashley Young and they couldn't have contrived to come up with a worse fucking idea than they did
0: yeah second what's up Doggy Louise is actually running over corners now. (laughs) He's faking corners. So just remember the free kick last Thursday night. If nobody remembers, go back and listen to the start of the podcast against Leeds. All three of them ran over the ball. Douglas Louise just loved it that much. Doggy Louise just thought like, this was brilliant. Like, look what I've learned from the last game. (laughs) Obviously got some sort of positive reinforcement. Gets the ball on the corner flag and runs over it. What you, it's a corner, put the ball in or go short for it don't don't fake a corner
1: that's it, but that's just, it's just a built into his game now no matter how many times you slap him across the nose with a <laughs> with a newspaper now, it's just not gonna work.
0: Third WhatsApp up Win that was a fucking one hundred and six minute game. <laughs> I'm fed up planning weekends around watching football and then you have to watch 16 minutes of boys lying on the ground. <laughs> Every Villa match now, like, seemingly, is 53 minute halves. This is a fucking... Ju- it's, honestly, I, I am upending trips trips away with a girlfriend. How many times have we done a podcast from Spain? Although I can hear everybody saying, how many times you go in the fucking Spain? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but Everything's been worked around. Like we need to go watch this Villa match. And then as she looks in on the laptop, it's just... It's just Antonio lying on the ground. It's it's just somewhat like Cresswell lying on the everybody's like everybody delighted that he's lying on the ground as well. They're all happy days. We can all stop playing and come over and have a chat. Fucking get <laughs> on with it. Get off the pitch if you're actually injured.
1: <laughs> yeah, was there the Was the one in the first half when it was just a whole of the five minutes that was added on had to be played again because there wasn't a fucking kicking the ball <laughs> journey? <laughs> That's true, yeah. That's true. Fucking unbelievable. Yeah, it is pathetic. and there, it, At least... <laughs> At least Antonio and Creswell were injured. <laughs> you picked the two worst examples you possibly could. The amount of cunts just lying on the ground, holding or rubbing their thighs, looking for a fucking massage. You get that for free at the training ground? Just wait yeah. for that. You don't have to do it during the game. People have paid in to watch this. No
0: one's paying in to watch you get a massage. <laughs> That's And it was the whole attitude. It was the fact that these boys weren't putting anybody else out like they were literally lying there having a chat like the players coming over go what's wrong oh i'm looking for a rub down like yeah <laughs> work away we're in no hurry we can't break you down anyway so like, you might as well be doing it yeah but like that's
1: that is the real question what was more boring to watch fucking <laughs> sucek getting someone rubbing his inner thigh or aston Villa just running around the outside of their own fucking backline <laughs>
0: Yeah, once the cut when sky sports puts up the highlights of this on youtube it's going to be a lot of massages and then three goals then
1: well they have to scratch it out the three minutes somehow and it's not going to be from quality play
0: <laughs> uh last whatsapp one uh, look i don't really agree with this but at the time i'm sort of getting pissed off and it feeds into how villa we playing and not cutting west ham open but Watkins and ings their one-twos are annoying me now. Not together. They're dropping the ball off with no appreciation for the player that's coming back. There was one at the end where Bundia plays Watkins a really nice pass and he just tries to play it back to him. And even if it does get back to him, you, you know, like, you just have a look, you know there's four players around him. But because Watkins is under a bit of pressure from the pass, he's thinking, if I try to sort of get this back and get the pass completed, it's probably on him. There was just There were too many of those balls being dropped off where it was like, they're not... They're not concerned too much with the situation that the other players in and what they're what they're leaving them to deal with. Hang on. It, it does go back to him. He runs over the top of the ball. He, he, does, he just doesn't get control of it. Then what do you
1: think Bundia wants to happen there? Do you think Bandeja's playing a little ball around the corner for Watkins to then skin those four? is trying to play one. This isn't Watkins. That's what Watkins has to do. He's got two men up his arse and Bandeja's played him a fucking pass under his feet. What do you think Watkins is going to do? He's going to play it out of
0: his feet? I think Watkins needs to look at Buendia and say, sorry, mate, there's four players around you. See what you were thinking. I'm just going to hold this ball up a bit more. I'm stronger than you, or I'm going to take it into the corner. (laughs) How boring a manager am (laughs) I? Yeah, and that's it for WhatsApp. We just got some awards to hand out after this. All these... Right,
1: get over it. It's Aston Villa FC, not Jack Greenish FC. Get a fucking
0: grip. (laughs) <laughs> Somebody called me a wanker Let us mourn Somebody called me a freak
1: I mean, We've just gotten the news It's devastating, we're upset Somebody reported me to the Villa podcast on Twitter <laughs> Do these people turn up to funerals or wakes saying Come on, get over it It's the Doherty family, not the great Auntie Margaret family It's time to find out what Uncle Jimmy's really made of? <laughs> Time for Auntie Barbara to step up? <laughs> fucking psychopaths, let me mourn. I'll rally around at the Hardy family. I want them to do well. I want them to succeed, but I'm fucking devastated. It's not going to be the same without Margaret.
0: R.I.P. Auntie Margaret. Let's start with the Ronnie Rosenthal award. I'll give you two to start off with. Matt Cash drills one through two players. We know he's going to drill it. Everybody should know. <laughs> Danny Ings doesn't know. Doesn't react quick enough. And Matt Cash has done his job yet again. To, I was going to say the Polish Cafu, but we discussed this on Thursday. Like we, don't want to, <laughs> we don't want to keep keep lavishing this praise on Cafu. <laughs> uh, the, and Bra-
1: the Brazilian cash.
0: <laughs> and the second uh, nomination. those more nominations. Not loads. Uh, second nomination is the Watkins-Ings combo. These one-twos are working. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Watkins cuts out the Dawson header. Like, it's classic Watkins. He reads everything well. He's quick off the mark. Preston's brilliant. Wins the ball front of the right-back. And then he's strong. Drive past the tackle. Plays it inside to Ings, who does so well. He's strong on Zuma. Holds the ball. like He doesn't hold it, but he holds off Zuma and just drops it out to Watkins, who shot's blocked. Um, I think that was just a really nice piece of play. Nice to get a corner to start off with.
1: Yeah, it's it's incredible for Watkins to win it in the first place, and the power to get away, mixed with the invention, the pure fucking, the pure cheek to turn it around the corner and try a one-two with Danny Ings, who's in the fucking six-yard box. Yeah, like it would have been an incredible goal. It was a it was a lovely, it was a gorgeous piece of play.
0: Yeah, what do you think of the first one? We're giving Danny Ings praise, but doesn't deserve it for the first chance. Like,
1: uh, yeah, I mean, like it's it was probably sums up the game. We probably should have done a bit more of it as well. West Ham just have bodies in the way and we're trying to borrow it through and Ings just can't short his feet out. He should be expecting it. And there's two players there, so maybe maybe it seems like it's not going to come to him, but just you know react to it when it does. I mean, there's still plenty of time. There's still a yard there. You're still a professional footballer. <laughs>
0: West Ham chance, four and at the edge of the box, things just opened up for him. What there was a player to the right though that he probably should have looked at, and do you know what I don't like about this? And you see it all the time in football. He kicks it. As soon as the ball leaves his feet, he immediately Apologizes to the player in the right who he knows was in a better position. And in fairness, he's backed himself, but he just straight away, yeah, I know, I know. It's like, well, if he knew, then fucking pass it. Like, that is annoying if you're that player in the right and we've all had it. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's like, well, are you going to do it next time? No, is the answer. You're still going you to back yourself.
1: But <laughs> well, that's, I think that's fair enough. Who do, you, who do you want to be in that position? Do you want it to be Fournals or do you want it to be Frederick? Like, I want it to be Fournals having the shot there.
0: I didn't realise it was Frederick. to his right. That's the fourth nomination. <laughs> Um Amazing bit of build-up play. And then Ramsey just powers past four players in the box, cuts one back to continue tries a little flick between his legs, decent save.
1: Yeah, it's like we, we talked about Ramsey's power before, but Jesus Christ, he's in the box as well, so that helps him because they're terrified of what they're going to touch here. But... It's just unbeliev just to go past three, four players like they're not there. was unbelievable with control of the ball as well. And before that, the play was the, the. This is the stage where you're thinking, "Geez, Villa, Villa can be good here. Villa, Villa are as good as West Ham." But then it just kind of faded away. We had these two little moments of quality, and that
0: was about it, really. Yeah, um, we had it. We had a free on the left hand side. Sort of went under the radar, and it reminded me of the Man United Man City game. John McGinn. Uh, on the left, whips it in, and it drops, it drops to Mings, on his feet, and he's just, he didn't see it behind the defender, and it just rolls to the goalkeeper, and it happened the same thing, man, United were 2-1 down, just on half-time, the ball comes in, it's a corner, corner, a corner, imagine, has dropped on Harry Maguire's right foot, seven yards out, in the middle of the goals, and he just takes the heaviest touch, straight through to Ederson, and it doesn't even get mentioned, not even as a chance, not even like, oh, he, that fell to him there, didn't it? He got unlucky. Nobody even said he got unlucky. Just didn't get mentioned.
1: Yeah, well, Harry Maguire also scored an OG and the commentator said Man United are the architects of their own downfall. I don't, I'm don't. i not even sure if <laughs> Harry Maguire's name was mentioned in it. An OG for Man United by an unnamed player. <laughs> Harry Maguire having a heavy touch at the back post is not exactly surprising either. Also, what isn't surprising is Tyrone Mings being more involved with his man than he is in the game. Yeah, Like it is difficult because it just drops them. But you know, expect the ball to drop. You're in the box. Like, that's what you're up there for. Get a get a shot away. It's come to you. You've gotten lucky. They take advantage of
0: it. Yeah. Into the second half, John again again had a, had a corner this time. Uh, went went in low. And when he saw it, and I, saw it, I was like, "What is that?" But it comes the whole way through to Chambers, and you expect Chambers with his right foot here to just catch it first time, hit it off the crossbar and, and go in. But he doesn't really, he doesn't catch it at all. But it does fall to Danny Ings, who I think it's a nice shot considering what's happening around him. He, he pulls it and he gets it tight to the post. But it's a decent save and it clips off the post in from the save. Unlucky for Ings.
1: Yeah, he's peeling away in celebration, as if he thinks he's connected with the ball. He's fucking with yeah. it terribly. He's kicked it into the ground. It's fucking shite. I, think, I still think it's a, I still think it's a brilliant save, but it should be unsavable. I mean, this Danny Ings on a snapshot, twelve yards out, hit the yeah. fucking ball properly, cut the grass with a ball. It shouldn't be coming off the ground.
0: Oh, I don't know. Maybe I'm being too kind. I just thought he hit that deliberately that way to just keep it you away. From he kicked the- it into the ground two yards away from him. <laughs> <laughs> Deliberately. There was a lot of stuff going on. like the, the ball fell to him the way he was leaning as well. I, I just don't think he had a lot of time to adjust himself. Well like it was definitely a snapshot, but it was still a fucking shot.
1: He still has a volley of the ball in twelve yards out. Hit the ball properly.
0: Yeah. I, I just would have preferred like I'm I'm talking like I would have preferred the one two if he had to play it back to ch like and he's playing it back to chambers, but you know like a one two from Warkinson <laughs> me. drop it off the chambers, goal. Uh, biggest chance of the game So sort of like, you know, Villa probably had maybe more chances not really mad chance, well, that was probably the biggest one from Danny Ings, maybe Danny Ings is going to win this again but he would do well to beat Dawson, to be honest, who heads over of an open net, Antonio gets a header from the corner, it's good reflexes from Martin as the commentators, are, they won't stop talking about it, they're calling it an unbelievable save, they're going back to it like, you know, they're calling him a cat they're it's like, all right, if that goes in, it's it's bad for Emmy Martinez. Like He has reacted well, but he's also panned it straight onto Dawson's head. It's happened so fast, and it's such close quarters, maybe he doesn't have control of where the parry's going to go, but Dawson should score from the follow-up, and he heads it over.
1: Yeah. I. The, the thing, Martinez is going the wrong way, and he throws up his hand, and it's so that that's good, but Martinez is trying to hit that over the bar. That's why he's throwing his hand up like that and he fucks it up. He, he hits it back into the box. It was for Emmy Martinez, it's a it's a piece of goalkeeping. And what happened there was, of course, is that the commentator said it was good and then they didn't have the conviction to change their mind. They didn't have the confidence in themselves to say, I got that wrong, even though we're all watching it, even though they just make themselves look like a bigger idiot now by pretending It wasn't wrong in the first place.
0: I feel like you're passive aggressively telling me to go back and watch the Danny Ings chance.
1: (laughs) Uh, To be fair, the Danny Ings chance is nowhere near as bad as Dawson. It's it's the miss of the season. I don't think I've seen anything as bad as it. It's unbelievable. This big centre half, three yards out with an empty net.
0: Fucking put your head on it, son. Yeah. And the last one is Emmy Buendia. Bailey? Bailey plays a lovely ball, drops in over the top of the defence, Buendia catches it over the top and its I think it's well read by Fabianski. Like Buendia hasn't caught it well but if Fabianski doesn't read it as well as he has it's its a bigger chance but it, he, he's really just quashed it by making Buendia's lack of connection with the ball look completely harmless in the end because he's just read where it's going to go.
1: Yeah, like It's a really difficult skill for Buendia to try and volley that and he gets something on it which yeah. is not in itself, and Fabianski because he saves it, it's a great save. But he's just throwing himself in that direction, put his hand up, and the ball hit his hand. It looks like a great save, and fair play to him for reading where the ball might go.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, winners Dawson obviously probably do well for anybody to beat that for the rest of the season. The Peter Ackerman What the Fuck award we've talked about chest slash shoulder. Let's let's bring Douglas Louise back to the table here. He tried, uh he tried to pirouette chest. Uh, I've I've never seen this before. The ball's <laughs> bouncing up for your defensive midfielder. He's facing the right back, and he tries to he, he tries to spin his body like a ballerina. And in the process of doing it, he's going to flick it off his chest. Um, the effect of it is to flick it to a West Ham player. But it was interesting what he was trying.
1: <laughs> He's inventive, you give him that i mean there there any amount of things he looked like he was doing there, but playing a passive chess wasn't one of them. He was trying to shake a wasp off about looking like he was afraid of it, probably closer to what he was doing, responding to the first beats of carnival or looking like someone had walked over his grave or he was telling a joke about where where Robin Hood keeps his arrows, but he didn't look like he was playing fucking football
0: anyway. <laughs> And then Callum Chambers, on the halfway line, and this this could have been a real like heart and wife moment. And it was more annoying just because West Ham were penned in and the ball just come out to Villa's two centre-halves at the, the centre circle, take the control and let's go again. And Callum Chambers sort of, he didn't even, he he should have tried to pirouette chest. He, <laughs> he, he sort of fell into it. He, he just, I don't know, he, he deliberately tripped himself into the ball to try and... Shuffled over the mings, like none of them were under pressure, and he, he chested it to a West Ham player as well.
1: Yeah, he just turned himself into a fucking gable end of a house. and What? Get <laughs>
0: control of the ball.
1: You're on the hat. There's no one near the meter. It was so strange. Like, why was he trying to pass it? Get the ball down and get it moving with your fucking gorgeous right foot, you plonker.
0: <laughs> uh, the stream I was watching, oh, I was watching this game on, had <laughs> Axel Twanzebe starting at centre back. Fucking hell. <laughs> so that's a nomination. And uh obviously Douglas Louise trying the, the rainbow flick at the edge of the box under pressure from Lanzini before getting kicked in the face. before getting right, rightly kicked in the face. I was one of those like, don't let him do that to you. <laughs> oh, t- Sunday league calls. Um that, that that probably should win, but I also just want to give it to the pirouette chest as well because like it shouldn't be never try a pirouette chest. Never thought I'd have to say that.
1: Hang on. under no pressure as well or Regista volleys the ball out of play from the center circle. I mean, the the worst thing about this, and there's a lot wrong with the preceding sentence, is that he goes with it with his wrong foot. Like he has to smash that with his left foot if that's what he's going to do. But he can't even do the wrong thing right. (laughs) Maybe he lost a lot of blood from his busted lip. Like, but Christ almighty, is there center? Is there center midfield? The ball's coming to him in center midfield and he just fucking hooks it out of play. Wrong foot.
0: How many times does that happen though? Like, how many, like, many times does the ball come to him in centre midfield and he hooks it out of play or he he, he tries a, a ballerina chest? Or like, like, how many times did he do something that he doesn't have to do?
1: I mean, uh, Stephen Gere, talking about lack of physicality. There's a lack of something else going on in Douglas so we... <laughs> and
0: You like Glenn Whelan take a 90th minute penalty award? Douglas Ruiz. <laughs> 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 no. <laughs> Uh, well he is he's he's culpable in this there's two people culpable in it, but the nomination is Aston Villa. I don't know if this is an instruction from the manager, so I don't know if it should be a nomination in this award. But he definitely should be cutting it out. Aston Villa think that diving is the best way of defending now. Like they they think if they go down fake an injury during a, a set piece, that is the best way of defending that set piece. Douglas Louise did it, did it, took a dive at the edge of the box as a corner was coming in, left his man, let him run into the box. He fell over holding his face, thinking, oh, the cameras will pick this up, don't worry. <laughs> and then Callum Chambers, our big centre-half. This was probably the worst one. The Douglas Louise one annoyed me enough. But then our big centre-half has his face brushed by the forearm of Dawson. You can see it in the replay. There's actually... Nothing, and he is like, if if uh, if they score from that, and again, he has let their centre-half go running, maybe that was a good tactic because just give Dawson the open net and it doesn't matter, but he's let him go running into the box as well on challenge, and if he scores from that, that is not getting overruled, and all these are happening as well before the crosses come in, so just before someone delivers it, our players are falling to the ground, screaming, holding their face. That is A, not a good way of defending, and probably most worryingly, B. What is this culture that that's happening that, that's spreading around? Like Bailey, we we conceded a goal today because one of our players dived, and we probably could have conceded a few more because they're diving in defensive situations. Stop it!
1: Yeah, it's madness. I mean, Antonio's bearing down in goal, and he has swats Douglas away, uh, Douglas Louise away. Like he, this is this is our anchor, and he just swats him away like he's a fucking limpid. And rather than being embarrassed about that, rather than being worried about West Ham centre-forward being one-on-one with Callum Chambers, Dougie just leans into it. He, he accepts his role, his place in the world. Like, he wants to be the abused court jester. to like get up and get back. Like this ball isn't out of play yet. Like, if if there is a foul, they can still look at it in VR. You can tell the ref afterwards. Don't just lie on the ground holding your face. We're all watching it in the camera, mate. You made a fucking titty yourself.
0: Yeah. And and, and this is actually... it's It's just more noticeable now as well like obviously it was noticeable today anyway but we've mentioned Douglas that so he's doing this over the last few games like diving when in possession or diving when he's not in possession thinking that's the best way to cover the defensive midfield role yeah it's not something you should
1: have to bring up more than once in a season really is it <laughs> yeah. and you think someone else would fucking stamp it out as well I think the I think that Dawson one's a little bit worse I think I, I don't think there's enough to make Chambers go down but I do think Dawson's running with his elbow out intentionally to barge his way through, which isn't a nice look either. Declan Rice did it as well on Philip (laughs) Coutinho. I mean, we we all know exactly what Declan Rice is doing there, and I'm not sure why Jared Gitt is pretending he doesn't. (laughs) Declan Rice turns his whole body to make sure that his left elbow is on Philip Coutinho's head. It's like it's not nice from Declan Rice, but he's an England centre midfielder.
0: (laughs) Are you calling him Jared Gitt on purpose? <laughs> my my hero has been reduced to a git. Um Declan Rice did that a few times, not with his elbow, but he uh charged into his head at one stage as well, just with his hips, and went over and apologised every time. And it's like, okay, stop it's almost like the Lanzini or who was it, Fornal's maybe taking a shot and apologizing straight up. stop apologizing if you're gonna keep doing it. And and Declan Rice, as much as you know, we're all scorned by him in Ireland for his decision to leave after playing three games for the senior team. Seems like an affable fella. Like, you know, when everybody seems to like him around England camps and he seems good when he's uh, talking to the media and stuff. And is there there elbowing people, elbowing continue mostly, charging in with his hips, putting a lot of damage on him and then apologizing, picking him up, checking if he's all right, being really nice. It's like, to be honest, if he was playing for us, I think I would love it.
1: Yeah, seems like an affable fella. You've just been tricked by his media presence. All these English lads have been coached by the media, more just like been coached by David
0: Moyes. <laughs> uh second nomination for you like Glenn Whelan taking 90th minute penalty award. And I actually wrote this before the first goal. We took Danny Ings off in the sixty-eighth minute. Now Gerard isn't to know that a minute later we're going to concede, right? But I actually didn't like this anyway, so it's not ideal not having a backup striker. Like as much as I'm happy now that we finally figured out a way of getting Danny Ings and Ollie Watkins to play together, it's it's shit not having anybody else to come in then because what happens is if one of them get injured or one of them isn't playing well or one of them's gassing, you have to change the structure. So that that's not good anyway. Like, even when we're turning up against Leeds, it was like, let's let's keep two strikers, but we don't have two strikers. So we can't we don't have a third one. We've got one on the mountain loan scoring shitloads of goals for Preston. Um the <laughs> lighter for him, probably the best place for him. But <laughs> yeah, But it, it isn't it isn't great that we don't have that other striker. And I'm not saying that we need to keep one reserves on the bench, but what happened then today really magnified the issue. So we take a striker off, and a minute later. We're one nil down. Like one minute later, after we've made a more conservative sub, we're one nil down. Now we've got one up top, and we've got Leon Bailey on. <laughs> <Like, laughs> everything is like everything is flipped on its head, and we completely limited our ability to do damage. I think. Yeah, it's it's nowhere near ideal. I think
1: you're being kind. Sense. <laughs> We can't respond to a player having a bad game or a player being knackered without changing the entire basis of what we're doing. It's it's madness. I mean, if one of our two centre-forwards get injured now, we can't play with a diamond. It's, it's a shit yeah. situation to be in. And if you're going to play both strikers, then you obviously need another striker in the squad. I think Gerrard was right, though. Danny Ings had to come off. Danny Ings was absolutely fucked. He couldn't run anymore. And also, we needed to change something. We were being battered and couldn't get out. I would have loved to have seen him do something a bit braver, like like bringing in Tim, because we really needed a platform. And bringing Tim in at this stage of the season, when Villa are going to finish between 9th and 14th, doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. So that's just, like, Villa can't catch up with his place. are not going to qualify for Europe. It's fantasy talk. It's not going to happen. We're going to finish where we knew we were going to finish all year. So why not try to progress some of these players, see if they're any better than Douglas Sweets. because it seems hard to believe that they wouldn't be. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, I think the winner is probably that. Like, I, If if the diving persists beyond this week, then it's, it's going to really come under heat. But um, just they're the not having a striker and then having to make that change. And then going 1-0 down, like it's, 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 you just feel so powerless. you have already had him make a sub through injury in the defence, which again, isn't nice having to do. Sometimes it's going to happen, that's grand. But um, yeah, like when you want to make a change, you have to take a striker off, you have to change your system, and then you concede a goal and everything is just upended. like the change you've just made. It's like conceding a goal 30 seconds after halftime. Everything you talked about might just be... Uh, rendered pointless if you're a really defensive manager
1: yeah well if you're bringing on Leon Bailey though you know be prepared for conceding the goal because he's going to fucking open up that whole right hand side of the pitch for West Ham and that's exactly what happened is that like it's just we brought him on and damn West Ham scored we brought him on and he directly contributed to West Ham scoring
0: yeah yeah, that's true. And probably another nomination for no Ezra Conza. I don't care. Not happy about it. Ezra Conza needs to come in. I am gonna keep banging that drum until he does come back in. Any arguments?
1: No, absolutely not. Ezra Conza's <laughs> been our best player for the last two years. Of course he should be playing. Yeah. Uh
0: you let no, I've done that twice, twice in a row now. Uh Tim Sherwood, we played two number tens and bamboozled award. Only one nomination really and maybe it was obvious, but we brought Buendia on for Dougie when we were one 0 down and yeah, brave not brave, but like attacking intent. Uh, we'd probably rather see Buendia get a few more minutes. He's been good every time he's getting those ten minutes, so it's it's we already know it's harsh, but um yeah, I don't know, maybe, maybe get him on a bit earlier. It's great that he's coming on for a defensive midfield liability. But um <laughs> but yeah. Look this is this is a positive nomination.
1: Yeah, it is, and but it's the same subs he makes every game because that those those are obviously the, the players that he trusts. He he brings Bailey on for Ings, and he brings for some reason he trusts him, and he brings Buendia on for Douglas Louise, and switches McGinn into the the holding role, and he yeah. brings
0: Young on for anybody else.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and it works. Like Buendia has been good every time he plays. The poor bastard was involved in loads of situations tonight, even forcing. Ollie Watkins to do the right thing and play a one-two at the edge of the box, and it just if things aren't things aren't falling <laughs> for him and continues has obviously been brilliant.
0: Yeah, Um let's do the Vaiman meter going up. I have for two reasons. I have Tyrone Mings. Right, here me out. For ducking when Emmy Martinez called from behind him, and it was a ropey enough call for Martinez. Maybe it's never ropey when your keeper's taking charge and wants to catch it and then drop it and then catch it again. Um, But Mings was up. He was eight feet in the air. He was going to clear that ball and he hears the call and he ducks as he's in the air, lets Martinez come over the top of him. and Just just good reactions, good listening out for, for the man in charge. And the second one was for retrieving a really bad ball. When we were chasing the game, Leon Bailey just Lumps one over the top in behind yeah. Dawson, like in front of Fabianski, and Mings gets himself in between both of them and he's strong and he takes it back out. We end up like Bailey's loses it again anyway, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he, uh, he did so well. There's something you
1: think you can make a striker out of this boy, yeah. That was absolutely clash. Yeah, you were flirting with the idea of playing him defensive midfield
0: at one stage. That's right, that's right. There's your yes. answer, get Kanza put Mings defensive midfield.
1: <laughs> Yeah, uh, there was a, there was a really weird moment though that's just coming into my head. When the the ball was still in play and it was on Terrell Mings' side, about fifteen yards away from him, and he's popped out of the line and he's pointing up the field, roaring at someone as <laughs> West Ham were coming roaring down on him. Like in a, in a career scattered with bizarre moments, I think this one was pretty hard to explain. <laughs> he gets away with it, and he did have an excellent game. But you know, you want your captain to be having a cool head, particularly when the ball is in fucking play. Yeah. But, Tyrone looks like he's regularly munching on a scotch bonnet rather than having a cool head (laughs) maybe maybe that's why he's chewing gum but like he needs to he needs to fucking he needs to calm down sometimes like that that's just moments like that that are going to define Tyrone Mings' career that he doesn't need because he's an excellent
0: footballer yeah yeah let the game come to you he's probably the only person going up to you have anybody else that you want to put up
1: nah the rest of them are all cunts as far as I'm concerned
0: (laughs) <laughs> but like,
1: like, Even Emmy Martinez as well. I mean, the talk about a commentator's curse. After you eulogising and reading out his fucking interview last week and me licking his arse, he dropped three balls from three crosses. Two of them maybe was probably foiled. but I still don't like seeing that. I yeah. don't think keeper coming out and fouling the opposition player and getting away with him because he's
0: a yeah. goalkeeper. And I know it's not a an easy ask when it's Tyrone Mings in front of you, but ideally, you'd rather keep her coming out and cleaning Tyrone Mings if you want to go catch that ball. Like yeah, Tyrone Mings is a big man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will not judge him on that. Going down, the Aston Villa third kit just needs to get in the fucking bin. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't look great, and the results do not look great. It's, it's, it's. I don't know if we've ever won with this kit. It just. Bells disaster. It's it's a get get rid of it every time Villa wear it. You know it's going to be a bad performance and a bad result.
1: I'm not sure how much further down the vitamin meter you bring enough fashion related
0: <laughs> things in the
1: vitamin meter can plummet. <laughs>
0: Here we are again. Forgot about that. Uh going down like it's 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 a take your pick moment now. Um, I don't know. Douglas Sowie can he go down further?
1: I don't think so. I think we're just gonna have to take him off.
0: Yeah. Take Doug- continue
1: off the top. Take take Douglas Louise off the bottom.
0: Yeah, so continues coming off the top. He's back on the meter. Uh, <laughs> Martin is as well on the meter. Martinez went off the meter last year, but he's 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 floating around. Still in the upper echelons, but um, he needs to if he wants to keep up his standards, he needs to get off it again. Um, going down Bailey. Oh, can he? Hey, did you just say take him off?
1: No, no, I don't know if Bailey's ready to go off just yet. I mean, he is only getting a few minutes. So he's pissing me off an unbelievable amount, and he was fucking dreadful tonight. To Although on one good pass, and I just can't believe that he keeps getting thrown onto the pitch. I would be more inclined to take Gerard down the vitamin meter. <laughs>
0: so you going to say <said> off?
1: <laughs> no, Gerard goes down the vitamin meter for Leon Bailey's performances do more than Leon Bailey does.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. and actually. You know, around this time of the year, you start thinking about transfers again. (laughs) It just never ends, does it? And I was starting to think about, like, all the amount of money Villa could accumulate. There's a lot of players who are just out and loan. most of them. Like, they're surplus to requirements. Like, apparently, Newcastle are going to cough up 15 million from my target, so there's a good start already. El Ghazi, we've we've talked about how we've already reduced the value of his price tag by sending him out to Everton to watch them lose every every week. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Trezegui, get a bit of money there. Sanson they love him out in France. Uh, Keenan Davis they love him down Nottingham Forest. Wesley would anybody pay money for him? But these are players that are like they were valuable once upon a time when Villa came along, and uh, you could definitely just like uh, accumulate a nice little, I'm talking forty forty five million maybe if you're starting with fifteen million from Target, and um, for players that we're not using. And then I started getting greedy, thinking, Jesus, maybe maybe you could get maybe get the money back for Bailey. And then he's like, he's only been here a year. He's been injured. He's had two new managers. It's only March and he's only getting 10 minutes a game. Maybe I should just back off and give the man a wee bit of a break.
1: <laughs> it sounds like you need Jesus Garcia pitchers to get hired somewhere else desperately if you're planning on making 50 or 60 million out of that list of players.
0: <laughs> That's so true. The Ron Saunders, do you want to bet against this quote of the week? have to go to Cristiano Ronaldo's Instagram page to dig this one out. <laughs> Lovely picture. And he flip-flops with Tom Brady. Put your shoes on when you're going to meet Tom Brady. <laughs> but, but Cristiano Ronaldo doesn't feel like he has to because his caption with this picture, always a pleasure and a privilege to share some thoughts and ideas with another goat. <laughs> 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 there you go. Cristiano Ronaldo has just Appointed himself the greatest of all time and brought Tom Brady along with him now. Like, he's just, he just saying, like, Tom Brady is at my level. <laughs> this, is, this is great to get a little chat with him.
1: That's fucking incredible. Ronaldo has talked about how much of a goat is in conversations about his son playing football before. <laughs> like, telling us all how difficult it will be for his son to get to his level. I mean, he's yeah. right, of course, but it's not his dad I should be saying that. <laughs> Every time I see United play, I'm actually rooting for Ronaldo. I want them to expose how silly and lazy people are, and suggesting he's the problem at United because he can't press. I mean, he's the highest goal scorer of all time. He's thirty seven. He's averaging two goals every three games across the Premier League and the Champions League. I mean, I think he scored four goals in the last ten minutes in four games in the group stage to get them out of that group. But yes, he would be a terrible replacement for Firmino. But that doesn't mean he's not <laughs> a good player for Man United.
0: <laughs> it is nights like that, where he bangs a hat trick and like one of them from twenty-five yards out. Nobody's expecting it. Nobody very few other people will do it um and nail it. He gets on the end of a breakaway and finishes it off emphatically and he, he scores a header like he always does and he does it over Matt Doherty as well as so he rub it in. And uh it's one of those nights where you're like, Jesus, like this boy is still lethal. Like He's 37, but he's still deadly. He's still going to finish better than anybody. And it really should should not be the starting point or the first question is, what's his pressing stats or what's his running stats or is he doing as much as everybody else defensively? Like That is actually, and I don't think enough people have been thinking this way, but it's a really sad starting point of what does a team need? Like, surely it should be the other way around. It's like, what is he bringing to the team? Not what is he not bringing. And he's bringing a lot. And can the rest of that be looked after by keeping Ronaldo there, bringing everything in? Because why do they want Ronaldo doing all that chasing? Why did he want them doing all that pressing? Did they not want them doing exactly what he's doing, doing exactly what he's getting criticized for, standing, conserving his energy, ready to explode into life? And it's not his fault that United have been dog shit. They, they really have. When they've given him chances, he put them away probably at a better rate than other people still. But they haven't been giving him the chances. And yes, when things are going badly, then they're going to look at everything going wrong. And when he's not contributing defensively, because United have to fucking defend a lot. And once again, that's not Ronaldo's fault. You have to start asking, how... Would a better manager actually make the most out of having the best finisher of all time in his team? That should be the starting point. What can we do to keep Ronaldo in this team scoring hat-tricks in big games against our direct rivals in the league? Why is that not the question?
1: Yeah, the first question could be what can he bring to the team and do you want that? And the answers are very obvious. So how do you know you get that? And the way you get it is you have to have possession higher up the field. You have to have control of more of the game. You have to have the opposition penned in so the pitch is smaller, so that Ronaldo can exploit being close to the box with explosive movements. It's very difficult for Man United to play that because their midfield is fucking god-awful and because they can't play too high up the pitch because Harry Maguire is their captain.
0: Yeah, and so that's they're, the they're really,
1: they're really, really caught out badly because of that, and that, that makes it a lot more difficult for Ronaldo to play. Luckily... Antonio Conte is an incredibly defensive manager as well. So it worked out quite well last night.
0: Yeah, and that's like the their stories that come out to try and paint Ronaldo in a negative light. I'm sure. I am sure that, yeah, he's probably very demanding, probably a bit of a prick a lot of times as well. Like he's just called definitely himself... Definitely a
1: prick a lot of times. Yeah,
0: he's called himself a goat. <laughs> just, he's just called himself the goat. He's equated himself to Tom Brady and he's definitely there, but like, he's, he, don't, don't do it yourself. Let somebody else say it. Um, but... The idea that there's a problem because he's struggling with Harry Maguire. <laughs> that, that should be a healthy thing in that United change room. Ronaldo's coming in there and taking on this weak point of the team and obviously a weak captain in the change room. Who cares if Harry Maguire's captaincy is on shaky ground because Cristiano Ronaldo's ruffling fellers. Let him do it. That's good.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of fellers that need to be ruffled and shaken in that club.
0: Yeah. Questions we can't answer, but probably will. Just one. Is it time to get rid of VAR? I never thought I'd say it. <laughs> to be honest, I going to answer this question. I personally don't think it is. But I watched the Liverpool-Brighton game. Mm. I watched Luis Diaz get almost killed by Sanchez, the goalkeeper, coming flying out. And I watched, once again, referee pass up to VAR, pass down to referee. Nothing happens. Liverpool got the goal and the they see here. Like, look, we could probably brush this under the carpet. You can't brush it under the carpet when it's Liverpool. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Like, the Liverpool fans are all over. Like they don't miss a beat in their games. Like they are everywhere. And they're gonna point out when somebody cleans out their player. And once again, the the officials don't take action. I still think like, we're getting we're getting a better rate of right decisions because of VAR. but it does just exasperate it when they don't take action when they can and when the evidence is right there.
1: Yeah, it, it, one of the most frustrating things about this is the is the lack of clarity about what actually happened and pundits, you know, scrambling around to try to explain what happened. So let's just be clear about what happened because it's not complicated. Sanchez has cleaned a man out with his thigh and arm at head height at full speed. <laughs> if that's not a challenge that is endangering the safety of an opponent, I don't know what is. I mean, you could even argue it's excessive force, but you don't need it. You don't need that. It's an or clause. You don't need it. Like This happens while Diaz is unbelievably exposed as well because he's only interested in scoring a goal. And that happens a lot as well. People are trying to score a goal. They're so focused on that that they they have no awareness of the surroundings. They're only looking at the ball and he just gets absolutely wiped out. The ref should see the serious foul play because even though he has given us plenty of reason in the past to think otherwise, Mike Dean's not blind. He's just a plonker. (laughs) <laughs> but he sees a serious foul play and he must now stop the game and send Sanchez off, unless there is a clear goal scoring opportunity. The ball's rolling towards an empty net. I would say that's a clear goal scoring opportunity. So the ref should play the advantage for the half a second until the ball is next to the play and crosses the line and then send Sanchez off. Yeah. Like if the above not happening isn't a clear and obvious error, I'm not sure if I speak English. Like. <laughs> <laughs> all Atwell has to say there is it looks like he's in danger, Diaz. Have a look, I'll leave it with you. Yeah, let's, just, let's just just go back to an era where we're all talking about how shite the refs are, not how exactly. like confusing the bar for referral is. Exactly. Like Atwell's role there should just be to reveal how much of a bias plonker Dean is. Yeah. But this is the thing. And we, we and other people have talked about this before. All VAR has done is expose how shit all the refs are because yeah. there's another one there to judge every game it's alright for Twitter to fight with each other and misunderstand the rules, but two refs shouldn't be doing that. And maybe it's maybe it's just the case that Dean and Atwell are psychopaths and don't think it's excessive force. That's also not alright.
0: Well, we know Atwell is, so it, <laughs> it does go away to explaining it. Like, you know, Atwell doesn't bring his whistle half the time. Um, so he's very comfortable in the bars, you know, sitting there eating his donuts, doing nothing. But... <laughs> Uh, yeah, you're 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 bang on. I don't I don't understand why we, wait, they they have backed themselves into this corner with language and and rules and and the dynamic between the referee and the video assistant referee. Why doesn't he just throw it back on him? Because the referee is all too happy to say he's looked at us. What can we do? Like he like, as if like he's just going to see the exact same thing. He's not even on the pitch. Like I don't want to say he can't get the temperature of the game, but he can't. He's not on the pitch. He's not. He's not up to speed with the tempo and the play by play. He's not talking to the players. All he has to do, and it doesn't have to be a case, but it is now. When everyone, when everyone sees the referee going to the monitor, we all know now it's it's, it's being overturned or it's being given. We know that he is now going with VAR because he's been told to go to the monitor. That shouldn't be the case. Yeah. Why would he know better? He should just say, "Yeah, I don't know, mates. You might want to have a look at that. Like you might have missed it. Just have a look. Like there's going to be a replay here for you in the side." Like, yeah. what, what is the issue with that? Go over, have a replay. And as you say, Mike Dean will do nothing about it and at least we can all focus our ire on the one person making the decisions yet again who will just have better help to make those decisions.
1: Yeah, but like the, this idea as well of like the fucking charade, the theatre that we're all pretending is happening here where the, the rest being referred. He's not. He's changing his mind. So what's the point of him walking over? Why can't the VAR just say, you got that wrong? And why is he going over to the fucking monitor? This is the yeah. thing they brought in to try and clear it up, to try and make a bit of transparency. It hasn't. It's just made it look fucking ridiculous.
0: Yeah. And anyway, that's it. Our win and run has come to an end. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. We're not going to challenge for, for European places, but we should just try and enjoy the remainder of the games. Arsenal at home does make that a <laughs> <laughs> less enjoyable prospect, but you know, there's something about them being in such good form it's nice. It's nice. Like you know, like it's 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 almost not not to even the to lose, but you can be the one though. they have to they have to not win a game at some stage, and that could be us. That could be Steven Gerrard at twelve thirty kickoff at Villa Park. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just naive. I'm looking forward to it. Are you looking forward to it as much as I am?
1: I I don't think I ever look forward to an Arsenal game and. <sighs> the fact that they've got their five in a row now that that would make you think given all of arsenals past and history that you know they'll now just take their foot off the pedal and relax and just get beaten again because they're fucking idiots so so maybe that is something to enjoy to to look forward to
0: (laughs) yeah it's just nice having no pressure on you and like i said i i know i'm running out of time but i've said to you all season don't worry Arsenal will not qualify for the top 4 <laughs> every time they win you're reminding me of it and I'm just expecting it to to explode, implode at some stage and I still do expect it and maybe that will start on Saturday let's hope so let's hope so, anyway we'll see you then thanks for listening and all the best